Well, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Practical Rambling Fathers Podcast. Woo woo! I'm your host, Father Tay, and we have a fellow host. He's drinking coffee. Hurry up. What? Bud Ryan drinking coffee. We have a special guest with us today, talking about our special topic, discernment and the state of life. Welcome to the beloved son of Owatana, Father Jason Kerr. What's up, everybody? Good to be with you today. Woohoo! So, Father Tay, do you even know what we're talking about today? I don't think he does. Oh. <laughs> Sorry, the virus has been wiping out my brain cells. Uh huh. Whatever. April Fools. April Fools. So we're talking about um, what is my general mission of being beloved son or beloved daughter? What is our general mission? So. We decided to have Father Curran, who's our vocation director for the Diocese of Winona also, uh, kind of tackle this question, and then the following week we kind of are going to go into how do I become come to my exact vocation, but we'll leave that for next week. So, Father Curran, in our baptism call, um, what are we called to, and then how do we live that out in the general sense of, of life? Yeah, you know, and it's a, that's a great general question. It's one of those things that I think sometimes it's almost hard for us to get like excited about or to be thinking deeply about. But it's the church has always stated, and especially since Vatican II has clarified that statement of the call to universal holiness that we are called to live uh, in relationship with God in a personal, um, dynamic relationship, but also a communal one where we learn to live in love and learn to live in love with one another. So. That's the fundamental call, is that uh, each of us has this under, under uh, by the fact that we are baptized, we have all been uh, baptized into Christ. And so we're called to live in union with him and live in communion with him. So that's the, the fundamental call of our lives, is to live in that relationship and to live uh, in love with God. So in our baptism call, we're called to be a priest, prophet, and king. Um, or do you have any general sense of how do we live those out, or queen, or princess? Or, yes. So. so we often refer those as the three munera, or the three offices, which is, that term sounds very formal to us, but it has a sort of, uh, the three realities of our lives, the three kind of dynamics of who Christ was, where he was priest, he was prophet, he was king, um, and he lived that way in, in a way of service and humility, not in a way of ruling and lording, and so we... Uh, because we participate in his very life by grace, uh, we also share those three dynamics of priest, prophet, and king. And so uh, we can just briefly say that priest, and we can talk a little more, but priestly role is the, is the way of sanctifying, the way of making holy. A priest is set apart to live for God's purposes, and so to each of us, uh, not as an ordained minister, but as, as one who participates in uh, the lay ministry of priesthood, we all share that. And that is the, the way of sanctifying, the way of being made holy so that we can be God's very holiness on this earth. And then secondly uh, is the prophet, the one who speaks the word of God, who uh, listens to the voice of God in his heart and responds with deep faith. Uh, each of us shares in that, that prophetic nature of the call to, to share the word of God, to proclaim his truth into the world, to speak his word uh, and to live in his word. And so uh, by knowing the scriptures, knowing the revealed word of God, we come also in a relationship to know the dynamic of the whisper of the voice of God in our hearts. And then we can share that uh, truth, that calm, that peace, that love that comes into us. We share that in a prophetic state by uh, preaching and proclaiming and witnessing to the, to the love of God. 
And then finally, the king, uh, we share in his royal nature, that we are made holy, we are made, our dignity comes from the, our relationship with God. We are all beloved sons and daughters, and so we have to participate in that uh, ruling and guiding the earth, leading people uh, to come to know the truth, and helping them to, to organize. And, you know, I think of the idea of peace, right? Peace is not just the absence of war, the absence of conflict, but peace is, is the ordering of the good, the ordering of society. Uh, towards the good, and that is uh, what the kingly aspect really does, is it gives us an ordering of peace in our world and in our society, in our hearts. So that's the, the three moon are the three uh, natures, parts of, of living in, in holiness, priest, prophet, and king. Thanks, Father Karen. Father Tate, do you have anything to ask? Sure. Uh, it's 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 very hard to forget people. Right? They always raise the question of you know, I'm not a priest. I can't. I can't offer the sacraments unless priest does. But how can I participate with the priest if I'm called to be um, a priest within Christ's priesthood? Right? So how would you reckon, how would you advise people? Like, how should we participate in mass? Then how should we participate? There's a bath or wedding or funeral that's uh, that's present in front of us. Yeah, it's a great question. I think I would say um, first of all, just to like. Talk about in our times where right now we're without many of the sacraments and the sacramental structures because of the coronavirus. Uh, it's a great opportunity for us to practice the priestly sanctifying grace because we're all made holy by participation in Jesus. Not just by what we do, not just where we go, not just getting to the church, for instance, but it's by the very nature of who we are as Christians. And so by offering our lives in a living sacrifice, that is the way by which we we participate in the very life. The sacraments make that concretely, tangibly present, where we can become uh, united in a more concrete way, a more full way, a fuller participation by uniting ourselves. So I think the best way that we can do it is by seeing ourselves as a living sacrifice. We are called to be poured out, given up, um, given over, poured out for the for the love of God. And uh, we do that by, by saying, Lord, I want to unite myself to you. You have given everything to me in love. You have given your life to me. And so now I want to participate in that by giving my life in return to you. So we recognize that the first movement is God's. God is the one who is the initiator of grace. He pours his love into our hearts. We have the obligation, the opportunity, the blessing to receive it and participate in it. And then we make the return, the return of our hearts, the return of our lives by offering our worship. Uh, first and foremost, we want to remember that God is uh, the all-powerful, the, the one who is eternal and uh, transcendent being, that we want to offer our worship uh, for who he is. But then we also, as we receive more and more of his love into our lives, we then live that love. We are called to, to offer ourselves in, in sacrifice. So that's really, like, if you ask the question of what does a priest do, uh, even an ordained minister, he offers, right? On behalf of the people and with the people, he offers the sacrifice. And so we participate that, not in the ordained way, but in the lay way, um, all, all baptized Christians, by offering our lives in return. So that's how it's summarized. Uh, Father, I just had a question there of, is that an easy process? Is that a difficult process? And, and kind of, yeah, a, in a concrete way, how do you do that? How do we do that, you know? That's a great, great question. It's not an easy process. I think, it, I think it sometimes it comes more easily or more naturally for us than at other times. Right. And and then so we recognize that there's just the reality of our lives that uh, we have to grow in it day by day and year by year, month by month. 
And it's by, by learning to, ultimately it's by learning to surrender our wills, right? I think the way we learn to sacrifice ourselves, to give of ourselves, is by recognizing that we're already doing it in so many ways for our family, for instance. We're already sacrificing for their good. To recognize we're already doing it for our workforce. We're already sacrificing so that we can carry out our tasks, our work. So there's a lot of ways which we sacrifice. We just need to apply it more and more to a spiritual interpretation, to offer these sacrifices out of love for God and love for our family, love for our neighbors, and be willing to sacrifice for their good and for the love of God at all times. So the more that we see ourselves as caught up in this in living this out in our day-to-day lives, the more that we can see it as a way to awaken our sacrificial offering, our offering to God in return in love. But we want to be more and more intentional, more and more deliberate, and that's where uh, it becomes a journey of conversion of our hearts. And that's why I say surrender is so fundamental, so important, because if we don't surrender our lives, if we don't give ourselves over in trust, uh, then we want to grasp for control. We want to avoid uh, the sacrifice that's demanded of us, of love. And we want to just, you know, watch TV or do something that's going to kind of distract us from the sacrifice rather than that invitation to surrender our wills and to give ourselves over to the love of God. And so it demands silence. It demands a purifying of our hearts. It demands a distancing ourselves from the many distractions and things that take place each day. Um, and some of them are, are already opportunities to, to carry this out. But to recognize that we're called to distance ourselves <laughs> uh, from the many from the many happenings of our times and uh, give ourselves love to God. Too soon, distancing ourselves. Nice. Well done. Yeah, we're still not ready to do that fully. Social distancing. I like what you said, Father Stern, about you know it's this baptism, uh, uh, this universal call of holiness, this holiness. Um, it's really us offering ourselves. How, how do we help the younger generation, especially with what society says, you know, with the fact that all of our faith to be the night guy, right, the golden rule. We hear so much. Um, so so how, does, how, how does the call universal to holiness change, change for, from that perspective? Yeah, good question. I think ultimately, you know, we're, we've run into the tide of secularism. We've run into the battle against so many things that press upon us and um, want to distract us, our cell phones, our social media lives. And so it's a challenge to get people to see that there's more to life than just what's at your fingertips. And that there's a whole world of, of the spiritual life and of a life of communion with God that we have to begin to instill in our younger people. And, and so we, we do have to set limits for them sometimes, especially when we talk about little kids, but even younger, um, maybe high school age or something, junior high. We have to help them set limits to the, their technology use or their overuse of distractions, even good things, right? Um, but instead, to get them to appreciate beauty, to appreciate nature, uh, to get them to slow down and be reflective on, on the fact that they have a soul, on, on who they are as a human person with mind power, willpower, free choice. So we have to get people to think at a, at a level that's uh, more philosophical, if you will, more willing to kind of see that there's transcendent, there's something beyond us, and then to live in that relationship with God, right? So we have to get people to see first principles sometimes, that truth and, uh, and relativism against truth really affects how we think and the way we interact with the world, uh, the way we interact with one another, right? How can you love someone if everything's relative? You'll never have a true sacrificial love. So there's so many ways that we have to kind of help people step back from the busyness, the haste. And this is a time where we can do that, right? We're in the midst of a time where we're forced to kind of slow down and step step back, be with our families, for instance. 
Uh, and that, that gives us an opportunity to say, okay, how can I allow myself to love and to serve and to think about what truly matters uh, in this life and then to start living that sacrificial nature, right? And so people, the more that we do it and model it for others, the more they can see it and the more they see the good in it. But we have to kind of continually teach. We have to be willing to kind of learn about how can I help people to reflect more deeply about the meaning of life, the purpose of living. Mm-hmm. Those deeper questions. Oh, yeah, and that's kind of been the journey of this podcast, honestly, for Lent here. We've been asking, you know, who is God? What is the world? Um, what's my identity in God? And so, yeah, I like that. That's it's really, <laughs> really fits well. <laughs> yeah. Uh, to take yeah, that time, awesome. and I agree with, yeah, all of that. Um, you know, it's always, it's kind of, um, in our world, we always like the, the magic, right? We like, you know... I have a cold, so I take this drug and I'm better. I have a headache and I take this, you know, and I'm better. And we have this magic mentality or instant mentality of, like, all of a sudden I'm better. But kind of what you're saying about this surrender and this conversion is it's it's not magic, but it's a relationship, right? It's, it's something more than, um, more than magic. It can't be done instantly. So... Right. I guess the question is, is like, how do you learn to love the process in some sense? Like, you know, it, yeah, it's a great, it's a great question. I, I think often people want to like just resort to you got to be disciplined, you got to you know sacrifice and make it happen. And there's something to that, obviously, right? I don't in no way would I want to downplay the order of discipline. It's urgent, and needed in, in the Christian life and in you know the spiritual life in general, but in all of our lives to do the good. So I would say that first and foremost, it's it's as you guys have rightly spoken to, it's about the dignity of of being living in a relationship with God, right? It's about knowing that if I'm loved and I'm really cared for, then then I have an opportunity to grow in relationship with this God of love, and that He desires this intimacy with me, and that really is what my heart longs for. I have to slow down long enough to feel the ache, to feel that I desire it, and know that there's something in me that is longing for more in my life that I'm not satisfied. I'm not complete without with all the ease and the, the quickness of things. Mm-hmm. Um, and and that, that Google isn't God, right? Google isn't able to tell me everything I ever needed to know about myself and about reality. But in fact, God desires us to know him and to love him. So the way the way that it comes about is through relationship ultimately, but it's, it's first recognizing uh, that God does desire this call in my life and that he wants me to come to him. So how do I do that? I have to do it ultimately by trust and by surrender and by giving myself over, right? I have to take the time to listen and to be a prayer and to learn some forms of prayer, right? Some ways of praying so that we can continue to, uh, to, to grow that relationship, to develop it. Because prayer is the means by which we will enter into communion with the divine. Yes, yeah, somebody, somebody starkly said it the other day of like, your or prayer is not, you know, uh, Prayer is not an option of your relationship with God. It is your relationship with God. Like, yeah. if you're not praying, then you don't have a relationship, kind of. And I was like, wow, that's a stark thought. Like, if I'm not praying, I actually don't have a relationship with God. So, yeah. Yeah, that's a beautiful way to put it, right? Yeah. It's so, it's so true. I think that's why people right now with social media, like you said, Father Kern, uh, it gives them that cop-out, right? I have friends on Facebook. So and I still keep in touch with them. Once, you know, I send a text once or twice. I leave a voicemail. But we have to be honest: is that truly the relationship? Is that the definition of a relationship? You know. And so I think that's why prayer 
and, and, and um, loving the process is so difficult because that's what Paul Brian said, right? We don't see the fast results. And right. we, we think that personal growth can happen by reading a book and yeah. by, just by taking the first step. Yeah, it's true. That's what you need to first start. But how do you continue to be humble and, like you said, develop a relationship with Christ? Yeah, it's beautiful. I, th- I think often you're right. We treat God more like a, a check-in buddy, right? Someone yeah. who we want to kind of say, okay, God, I, you know, I've, I've been a good person today, so thank you for my life. Thank you for the blessings. And then also, please keep my family safe, right? Don't let us, don't let us fall victim to, to pain or suffering. And, and the reality is, is, is God wants much more of a relationship of intimacy, like analogous of a husband-wife or a, a father to children, you know, of that relationship where it's, it's meant to be in communion with, spending time with, uh, wasting time with even, and being willing to kind of go to that deeper level of union, right? And that's the that's the challenge because that demands suffering, it demands sacrifice for each other, it demands a willingness to change our schedules in order to accommodate the other's routine, you know, other the other's life. And so we have to we have to be willing to make those sacrifices to uh, go about those situations that are going to actually benefit, uh, so that we can go deeper rather than just this kind of like, like yeah, as long as I'm good, then I'm fine. I guess maybe one of the questions that we can uh, that I want to ask is it, for example, since we are broken human beings and we're praying, but yet we have a hard time accepting that God could love us and that He wants this deep relationship. Is it okay? Is it normal to be reminded by God that he, this is the call, universal call of holiness is the way to love us? Is that okay? Yeah, good. That's a great question, and I think. Um, you know, just to respond uh, a little more generally, to broaden it out a little, to say, I think there's two ways that people resist or, or don't feel worthy of God's love. And first and foremost, um, what you said, which is that they don't feel worthy. They feel like I, I'm a sinner, therefore God can't fully love me because of my own weakness, my own sinfulness. And the other is is, is the kind of an opposite or a, a, an alternative is that people experience themselves as I've got to be perfect in order to enter into relationship with God, right? And so they're working so hard to prove their worth, to prove their dignity, that, that they never really get to the place of, of surrender and trust. So mm-hmm. both those things, of feeling not worthy or feeling like I have to control the relationship and prove myself, uh, lead to this sort of um, spirit of I can't really fully give my, my life over in trust because I'm not even not going to be fully forgiven, either because I'm, I'm, too, I'm, you know, I'm not good enough mm-hmm. or that I'm, I'm unworthy in that sense. And so we, there's this, this great need to say, okay, if, if all that I've come to know in my head is mm-hmm. true about God, about the nature of who he is, a God of love and mercy, a God of forgiveness, a God who desires to restore us to the Father, right, who wants us to come as prodigal children, running to him and, and trusting him, that he will restore us to our full dignity. Uh, if that's true, well, then what do I need to do in order to fully give my life to him? I need to openly surrender and accept his forgiveness and love in my life. And that's a powerful reality. It's one. It's a giant hurdle, but it's one that's worth leaping for because we'll discover the profound depths of his love, the profound depths of his desire to lead us into a deeper union. So that's that's a it's a great question, and it, it's often one of the fundamental blocks. Um, whether it's unforgiveness, whether it's feelings of regret, whether it's feelings of shame, uh, those things can block us from uh, really being open to the receptivity of His love and mercy. So yeah, it's a great place to go to and to recognize. God's love is not conditioned on our perfection or on our worthiness. It's mm-hmm. just the, the truth of who he is and who we are as his sons and daughters. The follow-up question that I have then is, 
What if people are, are on the fence, right? They know that they should pray. They know that they, they are called to become holy and to become a priest, prophet, and king. But how does those three things fulfill me? Does it bring me the healing that I desire? Right? What are the benefits of living up this holy life as a priest, prophet, king for Christ? Yeah. And I would just respond by simply asking, like, well, what do you have to lose? <laughs> right? Like, if you're, if you're searching for the fullness of your life and meaning, uh, like, why go to the, why would you scale the top of a mountain when all you have to do is silence yourself in your room? You know, like, why are you searching and searching for things and, and looking on the internet to find some escape from your pain and from your, your woundedness or just from your vulnerability, right? The reality is, is that we are vulnerable uh, to the love of God, and we must open ourselves in trust and surrender to that. So that's uh, the response I would give is go for it and just see what happens. You'll discover a new depth to your life, a new meaning, a new horizon, uh, one that gives you peace, one that gives you freedom, one that gives you joy. And, and that's worth living for, you know, like, and not just because of what you get, but because it, it helps you to realize that this is the very purpose for which I've been made, right? So we're not just looking for the carrot at the end of the stick. We're actually looking for the very meaning and purpose of our lives, for truth, for beauty, for goodness. We're looking for unity, for oneness with God. And that's where we find it is in that relationship. Uh, so, and, it, and it gives our whole, all of our relationships with our families, with our other loved ones, it gives them a new horizon by which we can enter into a deeper uh, fundamental dignity and love where we're not trying to grasp for them to fulfill us, but we found our fulfillment in the Lord. Right, that real gift of instead of taking, just receiving what's already there. Right, the, right. the humility of just, of just being able to receive what is already mine by Jesus' death, right? Mm-hmm. The of that. It's beautiful. Um, just lastly, um, kind of a question on... Um, you know, we can, especially in this quarantine time, um, we can experience when we go into that inner inner spot, inner room, start asking those questions. We can run into a lot of stuff there. And we've done a podcast on kind of what we resist and hinders us. But can you just talk about what it is to kind of be able to sit there or how you give that to the Lord? I know it's kind of a little bit off topic, but even in that idea of being sanctifying, proclaiming to ourselves the good news, um, and, and knowing that I'm royal by nature because of Jesus. Yeah, no, it's good. I, I mean, I think ultimately we, we have to just kind of breathe in the love of God in our hearts. We have to kind of recognize uh, that God wants us to rest in him. He wants us to trust him. And sometimes we can feel the ache of our aloneness. We can feel the isolation. We can feel like um, we, we don't have anywhere to turn or, you know, like that there's no one there, it can feel empty. And that's where we just have to make the act of surrender, the act of trust and humility to say, God, I know that you are there. I know you love me. And that even though I don't feel anything right now, I, and I, maybe I feel alone. Maybe I feel um, isolated. Maybe I feel like um, I'm, I'm in pain or uh, who knows, right? Whatever we're going to discover. That's the danger of doing this is that you're going to discover that you're not self-sufficient. You're not enough. And that you do need something greater in your life. You need the transcendent being who is full of love for you, who has created you in his image and likeness, has redeemed you by the blood of his son, and who desires you to live in union with him. And that's a powerful truth, but one that demands our humility, it demands our willingness to say, yes, uh, I, I do believe this. And then also, I'm willing to give my entire life to it. I'm willing to live for it, for that truth, and for that person who is Christ and revealing the Father and the Holy Spirit. 
And so that's the danger of this is that you really discover um, your own lack. Um, but at the same time, that poverty that you discover is full of riches because you, you get Christ when you discover it. And so that's the beauty and the paradox of our Christian faith is that when I, when I die to self and I give myself away in love, I discover the fullness of life and love in God. Thank you all for joining us for that with Father Kern. It was great. A lot of insights for myself even in the general mission and what it uh, pertains to in the spiritual life and in my own growth. So, Father Tag, including remarks? Yeah, I really love what Father Kern talked about, you know, especially the priest aspect, right? Because sometimes we think the role of priest is only reserved to an ordained priest, but that all of us can use our own lives as an offering, as a sacrifice back to God. And that was really powerful for me. Father Kern talked about it. Because if you're a married man, you can still offer your life as an offering for God. If you're a married woman, if you're if you're a religious sister or religious brother, you're an ordained priest. All of our lives here on earth is an offering back to God. Uh, I really like the whole entire surrender thing. Like we surrender, Father Kern brought up, like we surrender to work, we surrender to our family, we even surrender our time to watching binge watching Netflix, uh, and then God, and then Father just mentioning like why not surrender to God? We've already surrendered to all these other things, um, yep. and God's yet the only Where's one. Was there to lose? Right. So I really enjoyed in that sense, and that we're all called to that community, right? What does that look like in our own vocation, and how do I live that out? So. Thanks for listening to Practical Rambling Fathers. And next week, we have Father Kern back talking about um, how do I come to my exact vocation in life. And 